Hi everyone, and welcome to episode 22 of Did You Watch The Race? This week, we have a preview of the Dutch Grand Prix in Zandvoort, where the second half of the F1 season kicks off. We'll also be checking out the news that inevitably comes with Silly Season and rounding off the episode with F-Pun. I'm Jason, I've been watching F1 for the last 15 years or so. I'm Colin, I've been watching F1 for four years. I'm producer and social media manager Gemma, and I too have been watching F1 for four years. So, did you have a nice summer break? It was delightful. Thank you, Jason. Yeah, me too. It was very good. I think this is the first summer break in a long time where the season has been so drab Relax. that i not that i haven't yeah i haven't not that i haven't missed f1 but i kind of just haven't been caught up about it being the off. three weeks did go by yeah. very quickly you know i yeah 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 i think we talked about it before where the races are good like the races are fun but there's no overarching rivalry through the season to keep it exciting where you're like kind of edging for another race yeah yeah so I think that kind of took the sting out of it. This is the first of two. There's another longish break, isn't there, later in the season? Yeah, there's a... I think it's just three weeks, possibly. Yeah, I think it's in October, end of October. Yeah, I think it's around the, the US yeah. Grand Prix. Also, if I'm not mistaken, the there hasn't been much news for this break. Yeah, really to go along with... Like, in previous seasons when there's been not much drama on track, there's usually something happening off track, but there has been almost no news in the preceding few weeks the silly season like started and ended with ricardo literally we were spoiled <laughs> yeah. for choice this time last year oh but can you imagine the amount of articles that would have been if they announced it just at the beginning of the break like it would have just been yeah. three weeks of non-stop at least we had like races to kind of break that up a yeah. little bit rather than just pure conjecture about how danny rick yeah. was gonna do and then like the build-up i think would have been so much worse for him yeah definitely yeah but yeah i scoured my sources before we come on this evening and outside of yeah clickbaity articles of eddie jordan says this about hamilton and max says this about his competitors there was one set of clickbait headlines that was like oh max is gonna go to or he'd consider going to mercedes when i think he just had said a comment about how he would just go he would continue with the team that like took care of him and he that's where he would go and then media picked that up was like oh he's going to mercedes it's like oh god we're really starved for content are you saying that the jordan was saying these things was he saying it on that second rail podcast oh i don't know uh we can't slag a competing podcast you know eddie and eddie and dc they're just getting started out in the industry we need actually we should give them a shout out yeah (laughs) need our help guys if you're listening i think the the closest thing to a story has been Hamilton to Ferrari which seems to have not gone away so uh, I'm thinking there might be some truth in this at this point Hamilton Ferrari has he not signed a contract for next yeah, year that no? F- oh. no not yet this is a real uh, commitment to his retirement then is it <laughs> but the, the stories that were from the start of the season and they have persisted and there's been rumours that, that a contract was offered from Ferrari to him. Now, Hamilton has never really signed a contract until late enough in the day with Mercedes anyway, so I'm not reading a huge pile into it. But I think, like, hypothetically, it would be an interesting move and it's it's not something that's a million miles away from possible. I think of all the crazy things that could happen this year in terms of, jo- terms of driver moves, that's probably the most likely. Do you reckon? It's Ferrari. The... There is a certain allure and so many people have tried, so many ex-world champions have gone to Ferrari to try and win a world title and none of them have. You know, since Schumacher, Raikkonen is the only world champion winner with Ferrari, we've had Alonso go there, Vettel go there, you know. So world champions go to die. Yeah, well, that's the issue as well. But, and you know, Ferrari aren't exactly strapped for cash. They could easily be slinging 
insane monies at him and yeah it it's ferrari like when you think of formula one who was the first team yeah it is pretty iconic but yeah like and there's been cases before where in 2009 when massa had his injury in 2009 fisichella left force india who were that year better than ferrari were effectively to go race for ferrari for the rest season because he was like it's ferrari yeah you don't you don't turn down ferrari i could definitely see hamilton going um like in in my head it makes sense because yeah like obviously he's had a fantastic run with mercedes but that's pretty much it he's had a fantastic run with the mercedes they've kind of dropped off not massively but they've tiny bit dropped off yeah so and ferrari obviously have a fast car i could see hamilton thinking there's obviously just some issues on the team maybe um some disorganization that he could get in and handle it and he could like contribute enough there's probably a good brand pivot for him as well in that yeah yeah setting himself up for future life like you see what he's doing with brad pitt in the movie and that it's something like i don't see it happening but if it did i wouldn't be outrageously shocked yeah it's what we call future proofing in the biz i don't think as well yet of what you were saying there column like i think hamilton's maybe steady in the ship in a team is probably under one of his underrated skills it's very rare that hamilton makes mistakes even last year and this year obviously the fight with max he got a bit hated and stuff but other than that he's very calm usually very collected i know he he complains a lot on the radio but i don't think that's him losing it i think that's him trying everything and he's trying everything possible to get the max out of his race like Mm. it's not him losing the head do you know what i mean yeah yeah he never makes like stupidly rash decisions not never but very Mm -hmm. rarely (laughs) never say never yeah i'm not gonna hold my breath for that but yeah we'll see what happens Gemma I think you had a piece I on do the... so as well I was desperately scouring the internet to see if there was literally any news um, so what I could come up with is the fact that there might be a bit of a predicament facing a lot of the teams for I was going to say H2 you'd know I work in a bullshit corporate job because I keep saying H2 and H1 <laughs> <sighs> Would you say they're struggling with the bandwidth? They just, they need to bottom it out and just create a synergy, you know. But in the second half of the season, a few teams will have a a spot of trouble because I didn't know this because clearly very ignorant. But according to the FIA rules, in case you didn't know, every team needs to basically put a rookie in an FP1 session once a year, uh, which uh, yeah. when I saw it I, w- I thought that was very straightforward and easy to do and like obviously that makes sense to give rookies like I assume points towards their super license or like some kind of experience yeah yeah it's they they need to have a certain amount of kilometers done in mm-hmm. an F1 car okay. so that makes sense it, yeah, so. this year though in 2023 as of the start of H2 only our three rookies who are on the grid are rookies who have done an FP1 session. So that means that no new rookies or no rookies that are not already existing F1 drivers have done an FP1 session, which actually leaves a lot of teams quite awkward. So there is 10 races, but there are a few, well, most of them actually will be compromised or in some way or another. So it's actually going to be really difficult for teams to find a slot where they can pop in that that rookie session because you have Qatar, Austin and Interlagos they're all sprint weekends so FP1 is going to be followed by qualifying they're only session in the car yes. before they're racing in yeah, an anger exactly. yeah. so like there's 
that does not make sense to run a rookie that that literally makes no sense as you said Jason that's the only time for the weekend that drivers will get practice in the car so then we have Singapore and Vegas their street tracks they're also extremely awkward for rookies they're more of a risk for incidents incidents and then we have Zandvoort Monza and Abu Dhabi so they all host F2 races so the f2 teams are going to be hesitant to allow the f some of the f2 drivers which are reserve drivers or in the kind of the rotation for an fp1 session they're going to be very hesitant to let them go and practice before That's a really good point actually mm, before an I f2 race i know you would think because they're there already but i suppose it does make sense yeah, yeah it makes way well they sense, have yeah. sessions before and after f1 so it would be Hopping out of one car into the other, hopping out of that mm. back into the other, and so. they'd be absolutely wrecked. Obviously, yeah, yeah. Just the physical step up for for that is huge. Yep, exactly. And uh, I think so. Japan and Mexico are then kind of the last two options but these are both races where Pirelli is going to test their twenty twenty four tires. So again, it's not great for the teams. They obviously want their their number one, number two drivers to be um, testing those tyres. And then also we don't know what those tyres look like. So that's... So do Pirelli mm. as well. Oh yeah, that's true. Because they'll ask the drivers for feedback mm-hmm. on the tyres. So that's why they're unmarked and they'll say, oh, this is meant to be similar to... They'll give a range kind of what the tyre should be. So they'll want the people who are used to using the tyres... Mm-hmm to be giving them feedback on Which them. makes sense completely. Like all of these reasons, I'm like, yeah, they're all legitimate reasons for each race, but we're running out of races here, people. Yeah, yeah I think teams are going to start picking and choosing. I think it'll be fine. They'll make it happen. <laughs> you full fake column, do you? No, <laughs> but it makes no difference Well, the general <laughs> consensus is, right, that actually Abu Dhabi might be the one where a lot of teams will just shoe in their session because it's a it's an f2 race weekend as well but because it's going to be the end of the season there might be a bit more scope and like obviously so it depends on what the rankings are but if if there's a fairly big gap i would imagine they'll the teams will allow the rookies to race Uh, that's a bit of a risk though isn't it like that's your last chance to be someone does it have to be someone that's not on the grid already or do the rookies it has to be a rookie, so as in Piastri, Sargent, and DeVries have like they count. They count, yeah. So like McLaren is grand, AlphaTauri is grand, and Williams is grand. But the so other yeah. teams all need. Yeah, so they can't. They can't be on the grid. It just doesn't make sense why the rookies that are already on the grid count. Yeah, uh, rookies are rookie, I guess. I, I mean, yeah, I I see in principle. Yeah, like I think. Well, from my perspective, it looks like they're trying to give new drivers opportunities. And I know rookies are new drivers, but they're not, they're already in the sport. Like they're, they're already, sorry, obviously you have two drivers in the sport, but I mean, they're already on the grid. They've got a seat. I think this seems like it's designed to give new potential drivers opportunity. I agree. I would say it's probably a bit of a, a loophole that they've found themselves in. The teams that don't have F2 reserve drivers, and therefore it's a little bit less awkward, is Felipe Drogovic for Aston Martin, uh, Pietro Fittipaldi for Haas, and then Liam Lawson for Red Bull slash AlphaTauri. So he'll be racing, or he'll be clocking in for Red Bull. So the only team so far who has confirmed for a rookie session is Frederick Vesti and Mercedes and they are going to race in Mexico 
So Mexico could, I would say it's going to be Abu Dhabi or Mexico, to be honest. I'd say we'll see Fittipaldi in Vegas. Do you reckon? He's, he is Brazilian, but he raced under an American license as far as I know. And I know he races in IndyCar and has done previously. So has like sponsorship and money. And I would assume his sponsors will be happy to see him on an American track. Also, Vegas is a street track, but it's not the most challenging of street tracks from what I've seen of it so far. Mm. Lawson we will see in Suzuka I would almost guarantee yeah because he is currently racing in Japan oh that would make sense and apparently his one and only yeah. clash is with the Mexican Grand Prix so I suppose Suzuka then, would make sense yeah he, he, he'll be at Suzuka yeah, yeah. Um, I'm wondering does the rookie have to be in the entire FP1 or is that kind of like a once they run I, I, I'm not sure if there's a minimum lap count etc but I'd assume once they run in the session and do the do an installation lap if even that'd be it Fair enough. Yeah, it's a good rule just to, to help drivers along with the transition in between. But yeah, I'd assume teams like we've been kind of taking fast upgrades and teams trying to get to grips with their setups. So it makes sense to have not done it. And even if you look back through outside of a couple of races, there hasn't been a huge pot of tracks where you would have put them out onto anyway. A lot of the F2 and F3 sessions weren't at, or sorry, were running at traditional tracks as well where they would like to have them. So you were in Baku the like to to run them anyway so yeah it's probably something that should be a little bit better managed but it does seem strange that they've all left the second half of the year yeah um, I suppose I suppose that the the F2 calendar is a lot more sparse as in Monza is their second last race and then Abu Dhabi is their last race which is horrendous in and of itself I don't understand how you can expect a driver to be competing for a championship and be waiting oh, almost two to three months in between. Yeah, that's insane. Yeah, it's so I would much sooner see that get improved than yeah. So F F three finishes in Monza, I in believe. Monza. But yes, yes. but F two will finish in Abu Dhabi. So I think I'd sooner see that get tightened up and have yeah. if they have that title wrapped up by Monza, which you know would save a lot of money for the teams as well. Finishing in European leg, it would improve it massively and then let them go and do some extra se- extra sessions either with teams or do other series for the rest of the year here's kind of a side question just on that um because you know we're talking about f2 drivers getting a go in the f1 car and that's a massive step forward for them i'm curious to see i don't know if you know this jason um but if you were taking go-karting and then f1 and you put them on a scale like where would F3 and F2 fall in that, do you think? Or would you have any idea? F3, so F2 is what, it's got so 15, 20 seconds lap. I have watched videos before on this so that that ranks kind of all not standard even, race cars against each not other. Not even just about the speed, I'm talking about the complexity of the car, like, um, and maybe the forces that are on you. So, like, I know that obviously includes speed, but I'm talking about, like, obviously a go-kart is pedal, brake, steering wheel and that's pretty much it and then the rest of it's just race knowledge and, and race craft or whatever um, oh okay whereas is F3 do they have all the same dials and opportunities to change their brake balance and manage tyres yeah they'd have yeah uh, they would even have more tyre management because they're not allowed tyre blankets and there's mandatory pit stops d- different things that make it much more strict on how they have to deal deal with that yeah no complexity wise they, they've gotten pretty good at getting f2 and f3 quite close to what f1 is this the outright speed of the car and the forces that'd be on their body uh, would still be a huge jump up you know it's it's orders of magnitude in okay 
So that would probably be physicality the need to practice with. Absolutely, yeah, exactly, yeah. So getting them in for a one hour session is great to kind of give them that bit of experience before the off seasons. They know what they have yeah. to improve on. I imagine there's a lot of training they go through as well. Yeah, they'd, they'd still be going through the same style of training as F1 drivers would be. They're still under, compared to any other race car, they're under enormous forces. Like if any of us hopped into a Formula Sheehan or, you know, a low level Formula single seat or race car, we would be absolutely goosed after half an hour. Oh, like, yeah. I don't know. That's just the nature of it. 16, 16 Gs at the bottom of the trampoline. I'm sure it is. Yeah, <laughs> fair play to you. We but, would know. But it's, yeah, but 16 Gs vertically is very different to... 6 G's laterally also 16 G's for half a second or even less yeah <laughs> yeah true so like yeah just think how exhausted you are after a, like a decent length outdoor karting session scales above that to go even to a Formula Ford Formula Renault that, and they're quite slow compared to an F3 car so no they'd be well prepared on that sense but no com- yeah the, overall the sport has done well to converge even adding drs moving to hybrid units for f2 and f3 as well would have really kind of eased that transition so they'd be relatively well prepared so we're going to move on so next we're going to talk about the dutch grand prix so we're heading to zandvoort next weekend quite a unique track the the banking is pretty iconic and like we were saying it throws in a lot of g-forces and adds a kind of different challenge than most other tracks i really like this track i think this is probably one of my favorite on yeah, the grid and i've said it before if i were to go to a race this would probably be the one it um, looks not class. only because the track's so good but obviously it, it seems to be run very well but yeah that banking yeah. that that corner around the it's like the, one of the first couple of turns it's the the last turn and then i think yeah turn four turn five there's a couple of turns in the midsection yeah turn four is, is the one i'm thinking of where the you can you can go high and uh get really good speed out of it yeah like that that corner it's a track that's almost perfect for racing it's great for qualifying it it, like it's a really enjoyable qualifying session but it's just a bit narrow for modern cars i find like there there isn't a huge pile of overtaking opportunities yeah it's a very tricky track it definitely looks like a a dream track to visit as a fan i'd love to go also it's by the beach yeah class what more could you want (laughs) it's a lynx circuit yeah so max has won every session or every race we've had here since it's come back onto the calendar it's been two years so it would be yes two 2021 2022 so he likes the track yeah he's going for three in a row oh sorry i get you now yeah yeah it's a great track i was gonna say what did it look like beforehand before they refurbished it was that banking there yeah it's all it's always had the banking that was kind of its feature as a racetrack they hadn't raced on it since the 70s 80s so it's not a track i ever would have seen in live rotation while i watched but oh so they didn't actually change much they just resurfaced it maybe and yeah well it it it, it wasn't a grade one track anymore so you can't race f1 if the if it's not grade one so like the upgrades would have largely been safety and facilities as much as changing the track so and it would have been say adding gravel somewhere i think in terms of just layout of the f- or finishing order i think we'll kind of see similar to what's in the constructors zandvoort has often been like that outside of our kind of few wild cards for the last points paying positions i think we'll see red bull and mercedes and then aston martin ferrari kind of nipping at each other's heels well alonso and ferrari nipping at each other's heels i yeah i don't predict a huge upset this weekend mm. in any capacity. It's kind of hard I'm to predict. I'm happy to be proven wrong, but... I'd love to throw a wild card prediction out there, but like, who knows? Like the first 
you know, race coming back. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna say the same one that I say every every <laughs> so often. It's gonna be a massive crash on the first corner. Oh, I thought you were gonna say Ferrari on the podium. It no. is a tight first corner. Uh, it's Ferrari are gonna crash into Ferrari, and then uh, that's it. Nice. It is lining up to be raining this weekend, though. For it's a raining heavy Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and then some rain. On this Sunday. is a joke. So again, we're still we're still a little bit out forecast wise. So yeah, it seems like one of the it, it seems like one of the almost wettest seasons. As in, there's been a I lot of why. almost wet races. Yeah, that global warming. Yeah, that's that that is mad though. Like how yeah. every single race weekend. Right? Is there any parting words on Zandvoort? That was a very no. brief uh, review of Zandvoort. Sorry, it was a very brief preview of Zandvoort with very little to talk about it and a lot of side notes. <laughs> Yeah, well, look, I think we're like we're still coming off summer breaks. So there just hasn't been a huge pile yeah. of yeah. awareness for what's going to happen. So we'll be back to our proper full reviews and previews from next week. And with the second half of the F1 season comes a new round of F puns. So this week we... It's back, baby. Woo, F pun is back. So we're going to do place names and we decided it's it can be a town, it can be a country, it can be whatever. The first thing that comes to my mind is Valtala Bottas. <laughs> we also have a special guest this week, our pun queen, Miss Nicole, aka Coley Illustrations, multi-talented woman, and puns are her specialty. Welcome, Nicole. Oh, Gemma, stop it. Esteban O'Connell Bridge. <laughs> oh, that's a good one. I like nice. that. Esteballantir. Oh, God. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I've got one. Esteban O'Connell Street. <laughs> How did you come up with that one? That's amazing. I'm a genius. Uh, Sergio Paris. Oh, that's Ooh. good. I can't think of a fucking thing. I feel like Carrick on Hamilton. <laughs> <laughs> no, kind of I know, works. you know what? I kind of like that one. George Brussels. Oh, ah, there you mm. go. I was going to say Jokio Guan Yu. Oh. Oh, that's good. That's very good. Daniel Rieka Vicardo. <laughs> Are you guys just looking up cities? <laughs> no, I'm just thinking of cities. But we said sit towns, cities. Didn't yeah, we did. Yeah, just places. Oh, I remember my one that made me think of this as a topic. Yeah. Lewis, Lewis Manor Hamilton. Oh, uh, very uh, good. Pierre Donigasly. <laughs> <laughs> Tottenham Wolf. Oh yeah, yeah. I think you pronounce it better. London Norris. Yeah, yeah. It works. That. The Leaning Tower of Oscar P. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Boris and Oscarie. <laughs> Wait, I had one for Lando. Lando, <laughs> just naming places in Ireland. Land down, Patrick Norris. <laughs> <laughs> There's surely an Alex Albon one. Alex Albania. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Thailando Norris. Oh, uh, that's the one. Good. That's the one. Yeah. Oh, oh, you've just opened a kettle of fish there, yeah. Colin. Ireland Norris. Uh-huh. England Norris. <laughs> Scotland Norris. <laughs> They're all mine. Those points for me. Lando Norwich. <laughs> Charles. Leclerc. Claire. Ah, Claire. Nice. Oh, mm. I did not get that straight away. I was like, that's his name. <laughs> this is kind of a combination of a song and a place, but it's an Alonzo road to Tipperary. I like that. 
Oscar Piastrinidad <laughs> and Tobago. <laughs> and tobacco. <laughs> <laughs> on that note. <laughs> and on that bombshell. Oh, Mick has one. Speak it in. Gunter Lichtensteiner. <laughs> ah, that's good. <laughs> Very okay. good. Thank you. That's good. I like that. Yeah. All right. Thanks to Mick and Nicole for for what your contribution contributing to our F pun, saving our F pun section. <laughs> okay. Bye. Bye. <laughs> That'll be all from us this week, folks. Thanks for tuning in. We'll be back next Wednesday with a review of the Dutch Grand Prix. If you've enjoyed the podcast, be sure to give us a follow on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen. It really helps if you leave us a review there and make sure to tell your friends and family to give us a listen. We're also on Instagram at Did You Watch The Race, all one word. And while you're there, be sure to check out Cody Illustrations, who does all our lovely artwork. So, thanks for listening. I've been Jason. I've been Colin. I've been Gemma. And we'll talk to you next Wednesday. I think you mean Lando Dairy. <laughs> <laughs> no, we do not mean Lando Dairy, Nicole. Cut that out. Cut that out. <laughs>